Hello guys, welcome to the second episode of my MCU Marathon series, Assembling for Christmas. Today we'll be talking about The Incredible Hulk from 2008. And yeah, let's get started. To start off this episode, let me address the common misconception that The Incredible Hulk is a bad movie. Granted that inside the MCU, it's one of the weakest mostly due to the different tone in comparison to the rest of the franchise and even on my ranking it would be in the bottom five easily but if we looked at it with a broader perspective looking at it as just a movie on its own it tackles some great themes to me the story is about accepting who we are not denying our abilities dr bruce banner goes on a long way to try to suppress the hulk wanting to control or even get rid of him but at the end, obviously, he comes to terms with the reality that he has to live with the Green Goliath as one. This character arc will be further ex explored and developed in future movies, but this one already planted the seeds for this idea that the Hulk and Banner are one and should be one. Now, I do have some problems with this movie. I'll get to those in a second. But in terms of themes and plot, I think it's pretty straightforward and nicely formed. There are not a lot of filler scenes. Um, the crazy taxi ride is the only one I can think of, but that was there for comedic purposes, so I'll let it slide. Um, the beginning of the movie with the montage was a great way to situate the audience inside this world and summarize what had happened with Banner and other characters. I think it was a great call because Marvel probably couldn't afford to do another origin Hulk story since Herrick Baina took that role merely five years before this movie in a not-so-great motion picture, if I can say that. Uh, and I'm usually against montages in films, but I think this one is an exception. Moving on to characters and cast. We got a big actor playing the titular hero, Edward Norton did a fantastic job playing the scientist Bruce Banner, even if not an awesome Hulk in my opinion, obviously. And it's crazy to think that an actor of his caliber chose to tackle this project in, twain, in 2008, when the MCU was still a pipe dream. Nowadays, all sorts of talented actors dive into the superhero genre, but back then it was a gamble for sure. And yet Norton was removed from the franchise pretty early on, not even having the chance to reprise his role in the Avengers movies. Of course, now that Mark Ruffalo has played Dr. Banner for six years, uh, for six movies, actually, um, it's unthinkable to see Norton's Hulk as an Avenger. But much like Terrence Howard's Rhodey, I would have loved to see Norton continue his portrayal of the big guy. Speaking of which, how do I feel about this version of the Hulk? I've got to admit, not a fan of the character design. And I hoped that the model would grow on me eventually, but it just hasn't. I usually call this Hulk the Hulk on bad steroids. It just looks weird and... Uh, I get that they, want, they went for a more... They went more for a monster vibe, but to me at least, I did not enjoy it at all. I, also his teeth, I don't know why, but they look so ugly. 
and bizarre. Uh, oof, I, I don't know. As the male, as the main villain, we have Emil, Emil, Emil Blonsky, um, aka Abomination. And you know what? My thoughts on him changed after this rewatch. Before, I just thought he was another bad guy craving power, physical power in this case, and with no desire to do anything, let's say, moral with it. But after today, I was reminded of his need to fight, to be a fighter, to stay a fighter. And that's an interesting element to add to a villain. Of course, he's also envious of the Hulk's brute force and strength, so he wants that for himself. But I also saw this... This, this fear in him of growing old and lose the fight in him. Especially after witnessing this beast so much stronger than him. And you know Blonsky is arrogant as well, thinking he's always the best in the room. That's why when he meets the Hulk, it sparks a conflict and curiosity within him that I found appealing to me after today. Tim Roth does an amazing job as this ruthless army expert, the the perfect, unwavering soldier, so I have to give him props for that. The rest of the cast does an okay job. William Hurt as General Ross is very convincing as this military man, fully focused on doing his job, finding Banner at all costs and desire, desiring nothing more. And that creates a lot of internal, internal conflict because of his relationship with his daughter Betty. This dilemma between duty and daughter and... Yes, he chooses duty almost in the blink of an eye. And some could argue that in the final act, he finally chooses Betty. But I think it's more of a case of choosing against duty, really, in, in the third act. Not really choosing Betty. But here we have a character that does not want to go against his code. He stays with his code. And that, that does create a lot of tension between all of the other characters and himself. And also, it's great that Marvel brought him back for Captain America Civil War eight years after this movie. I just, I just loved it. And also, he appeared in Infinity War and Endgame. So, it's great that after so many years, they brought back a character from this movie that some consider not to be a part of the MCU. I think it is. Obviously, it is. And I'm interested to see what they do with the character moving forward. Hopefully, something... Exciting, <laughs> hopefully something with a bit more action to it. We'll see. And yeah, speaking of Betty, played by Liv Tyler, I think she does a decent job with the role. Even though the role is more of a love interest slash ally to the hero, um, more than a, an active stance, which I always find disappointing, but Betty's relationship with Bruce is what sells us this couple and this relationship. And sure, there's a lot of cringy and cheesy moments in the movie, and I'm usually neutral to those, but they also added this humorous, tense layer to the scenes, which were refreshing for this mostly dramatic motion picture. And it's strange that the character hasn't been used since this movie, or even mentioned at all, because her, fa her father, General Ross, as I mentioned, was used three times already, and she wasn't even mentioned. I don't know if, if it's because um, Hulk's rights are still at Universal Studios, which is a shame, bloody shame. 
or because of something else. But yeah, I would have liked to see her make a return, maybe in the maybe in the upcoming She-Hulk movie, uh, TV show. I mean, uh, who knows? We'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see. But my favorite character has got to be Dr. Samuel Stearns, played by Tim Blake Nelson. He's just oh, this funny, enthusiastic, curious character, really unique in the way he presents himself and talks to the other characters. And that last scene, when his head is exposed to Banner's blood. And you can see he will have a gamma transformation of his own. Those of you who know the comics know he would become the leader, a famous Hulk villain. So it's the most disappointing scene because in over 12 years they haven't done anything with the character. And I am crossing my fingers hoping they use him in, in the future, maybe for a, a Thunderbolts project. That be being a movie or a TV show. I would prefer a TV show actually. Because it was just a little cool setup that led to nothing yet. Also, the Abomination should make a similar return. I can just picture Marvel assembling this team of lost villains, of lost MCU villains for this Thunderbolts group. And the Abomination would definitely, definitely be the muscle in that team. But I want a different design. A more comic book design for Abomination. Here he has no ears, which is really odd. His model, I would say, is... Maybe too scary for younger viewers, really focusing on that abomination idea, idea I guess. Um, so maybe if Blonsky returns after years of being trapped inside the abomination, his body was... Because it was exposed to so much gamma radiation inside of Banner's blood, with the transf transfusion he, he had, maybe he became another... Well, abomination, really. Another abomination, that's what I want to say. But yeah, I just want a different design. That's just my thoughts on it. I, th I thought this design was a bit... Eh, I don't know, I didn't really enjoy it that much. Um, knowing afterwards how the abomination looks in the comics. It's just so different. And yeah. So moving on to the action and the scenes. I have some things I needed, I needed to comment on. First of all, the Hulk reveal is fantastic. Really on point with the tone they set up, even though, again, the character design was not my favorite. The chase sequence prior to that scene is also amazingly shot. Really unique because of the Brazilian city landscape and the housing structure. Made for, for some really exciting little scene. I'd say my favorite scene from this movie, actually. And another good bit is at the end of the university battle, when Blonsky confronts the Hulk. And the Hulk just, bam, just, just kicks him like there's no tomorrow. He just kicks the hell out of him. Brutal stuff. Iconic moment in the movie, for sure. And then, of course, the reveal that Blonsky has completely recovered from the attack. Just a few days later, and hungry for more, for another round. Just crazy and awesome. I loved it. And I gotta mention, mention the final battle. Not one of my favorite final battles in the MCU. Mostly because, much like in Iron Man, you have a hero fighting the mirrored ver bad version of himself. You have a lot of destruction, which just makes me think, poor Harlem, you know. And the Hulk smash line. 
However iconic it is, the actual use of it, it was, in my opinion, very poor. Hulk just stomps on the ground, says Hulk smash, he stomps on the ground, and that makes Abomination lose, lose balance and the grip on his big chain, on the big chain he was holding. And then Hulk uses the chain to neutralize Abomination. I don't know. I thought it was... I just don't think it was a good application of the line. Because it's such an iconic line. So much better used in the Avengers uh, first movie. Oh, I love that scene. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, other final little notes that I have. Um, the scene at the start with a teacher showing Banner how to control his temper, his anger, was a great way to explain to the audience that this character wants to suppress the monster inside of him as best as he can. So I really love that little, it's just one, a one minute scene, but it's fantastic, like a great little scene. Also the super soldier reference when Ross tells Blonsky about the military plans to recreate that serum. Again, what a great setup and tie to the Captain America movie, which would only be released three years after after the Incredible Hulk. I love it. I love it. I love these little setups that Marvel usually does. And of course, we have to talk about the post credit scene with Mr. Tony Stark himself showing up at a bar to speak to General Ross about putting together a team. Now, I might be mistaken, but I think that Stark wasn't actually intending to request help from Ross to secure Banner slash the Hulk but actually to recruit Abomination. There's this little Marvel one-shot with Clark Gregg reprising his role as Agent Coulson, and it's called The Consultant. I think it was released in 2010, 2011. And in that, like, it's basically a short film. Um, he, Coulson is talking to Agent Jasper, Jasper Sitwell from S.H.I.E.L.D., who will make future experiences in other movies, and they talk about recruiting Abomination. And Coulson says he knows this consultant that could help with that. So I think they imply that Stark was that person, and he was actually there to recruit Blonsky to the team, not Banner, which I thought was crazy. A little trivia plot twist, I guess. I don't know, I think it was a nice thing to add to the episode. Anyway, to wrap it up, The Incredible Hulk is a story about power and what to do with it when we have it. Should we weaponize it, wreak havoc with it, or use it for the best of humanity? Should we destroy power? And this duality between science and the army and the application of gamma radiation and Banner's findings is what drives the story forward. Ross is looking to use to use the um, Banner's blood to create more super soldiers. Banner wants to get rid of it, or at least keep it safe from the ends of the government and the US military. Meanwhile, Blonsky sees it as an opportunity to evolve into something stronger and more abominable, abominable I guess I'd say that, yeah. <laughs> and the movie as a whole is not really that exciting, even with the action scenes and the interesting and easy to follow storyline. I. I repeat that to me, this movie would 
easily be in my bottom five. And that's just because the movie's tone is so much different than the rest of the MCU. Even the main character changes when Ruffalo takes on the role. It's not because the movie is inherently bad. Like I said, the story is okay, the acting is okay, and some of the action and dramatic moments are fun and well filmed. But as a movie outside the MCU, I would still give it a 7 out of 10. And as an MCU movie, I'll have to give it a 6, unfortunately. But that's just because there are so many great films in the franchise, nothing else. So yeah guys, this has been the second episode on the series. Tomorrow I'll be back with 2010's Iron Man 2. And I hope you guys enjoy this one, this, this episode. Uh, if you haven't already listened to my introduction episode and my review of Iron Man, go check them out if you'd like. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Stay safe guys. Bye.